this is Robert Capuccio. Welcome to the Self-Help Antidote, a weekly dose of reason, perspective, and insight, where we challenge conventional thinking and explore authentic strategies and insights around personal transformation. Our commitment to you is to bring you some of the world's leading experts in the domains of fitness, wellness, coaching, and behavior change, separating fact from fallacy. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Self-Help Antidote. This particular episode, I am going solo. No, me and Tiffany did not have a falling out. As a matter of fact, we are still very happily co-hosting together. It's just that a question came up regarding a fairly recent episode around the subject of affirmations. How effective are affirmations in reality? I wanted to take a moment to address that question because I love your questions. So just a reminder before we get into the content, if you have any questions or recommendations, suggestions, just go to the selfhelpantidote.com and leave me a message. Or you can go to Tiffany's Facebook group, Roll with the punches and you can leave your inquiry there and we will address your questions on the show. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating, preferably a five-star rating and review. It really does help. Okay, so let's take a look at this. If you have ever, and my guess is if you're listening to this, you at some point have purchased a self-help book, you've attended a seminar, you've watched a video, you've listened to an audio program, you've gone through YouTube, maybe you've tuned into your favorite podcast, and the presenter shared with you certain techniques as affirmations. Sometimes you get the feeling around these grandiose claims that affirmations promise you unlimited potential. You know, I've heard... People talk about financial freedom, attaining the body of your dreams, or even complete and total freedom from guilt, which is great because that allows you to get in touch with your inner sociopath. (laughs) But let's say that you got inspired and hopeful and you gave your full attention to whatever program you interacted with around affirmations and you were excited with anticipation about all of the miraculous changes that you were going to make, helping you to manifest all of your hopes and dreams. So you dutifully practiced your affirmations consistently and, well, your life and your body didn't get transformed beyond your wildest dreams. As a matter of fact, you look back, it's like, I don't even know if that really helped at all. Well, then surely it's got to be your fault. You did it wrong or maybe you let disbelief slip in because after all, someone's published the book on it. They're clearly an expert, aren't they? So Ibrahim Sene is a psychologist at the University of Illinois. I apologize if I in any way, shape, or form butchered that name. So Dr. Sene and his associates, they conducted a study to determine how our self-talk influences our behaviors. So they took a group of volunteers and they split them in half. Now, the first group, they were told to contemplate whether or not they would work on solving some anagrams. Some word puzzles, if you will. The second group was asked to think about the fact that they would shortly be working on some anagrams. And they basically were given the subtle yet significant distinction between the mentality of I will do this versus will I do this. So the first group was the will I do this group. And the second group was the I will, the more affirmative group. Question becomes, which group do you think perform better? Traditionally, you would expect it to be the second group. 
After all, they were the group that was employing the power of affirmations. But surprisingly, it was the first set of volunteers who performed better on the task. So Sene conducted the same experiment repeatedly, and each time, the results were the same. A later experiment involved another two groups of people. The first group was asked to contemplate whether or not they would stick to an exercise program. The second group was given an affirmation declaring that they would stick to their new program. Again, the results were the same. The group asking the will I question seemed to demonstrate more commitment than the group affirmatively stating I will. So why would an open question be far more effective than a definitive question? Well, Sunny interviewed the participants hoping to try to find out. The group that had the question, will I, tended to believe that because the question was open, they felt a greater sense of autonomy and accountability in making decisions that benefited their well-being. A sense of personal responsibility loosens the mental constraints that binds us to blame, victimization, and excuses. Unless, of course, it legitimately is somebody else's fault. In contrast, the I will group answered, because I would feel guilty or ashamed of myself if I didn't. So you'll recall, if you listen to our episode with Tasha Walker, we discussed this where when we're saying something like I will in the future do something that our past evidence conflicts with, it's not likely that affirmation is going to be very effective. Tasha Walker was talking about saying things that I am and making it realistic for where you are while you hold in mind where you want to be. So instead of saying, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, and it's like you're consistently having more month at the end of the money, in your brain, you can be like, this is ridiculous because there's a difference between what you are saying and what you know and what you feel. So what Tasha Walker was recommending we do is break it down into every day I am taking small measurable steps that is building my wealth. That's far more believable. That has far more emotional synergy than saying something where your past conflicts with it so much that in your head you're going, yeah, right. So... And then after you don't achieve the goals of your dreams within a month of affirmations, we feel guilty because it's like, oh, wow, the affirmation should have worked. You know, guilt and shame, despite their popularity, are usually ineffective motivators. And they don't encourage many people to achieve our goals. They just leave us feeling, well, I don't know, guilty and ashamed. It's far better to explore the values that drive you to achieve the goal. So let's take a look at some of the reasons why affirmations don't always work. The finality of them. Declarations are final. So if I announce I will, it cuts us off from any other possibility. And this could trigger the fear of loss of freedom. Because by not sticking to our affirmation, we gain the benefit of exercising our freedom of choice. We're choosing one thing And therefore, we have to sacrifice something else. That's how it works. So if I'm choosing to lose weight, I might have to sacrifice chocolate cake. So I don't have that freedom to choose anymore. 
Additionally, any action that's short of completely fulfilling our affirmation could be perceived as failure. And that makes us feel about as anxious as a balding man with a comb over in a ceiling fan shop, which if you can imagine that, that's a pretty uncomfortable situation to be in. So going back to Tasha Walker's episode, she's talking about not creating this grandiose all or nothing, I either succeed or fail, but what are smaller palatable, 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 I don't even know what I just said just now, palatable affirmations that we can employ that makes sense. They're realistic. They're challenging and inspiring, yet they're not absolutely absurd to where we dismiss them. Another thing to take a look at is we're subjective about our past. You know, we might be saying, I will today, but, you know, our mind holds the memories of the failures of the past. So like the people that Sene interviewed in his experiment, we fear being judged or criticized over the gap between what we say and what we do. And that by itself can stop us from following through on our affirmations. Some of you might have experienced this before where you announce, oh, my New Year's resolution is to lose five pounds and everybody so kindly brings to your attention. Oh, remember that was your New Year's resolution last year and you gained five pounds over the holidays and you never lost it. You know, maybe you should upgrade that to 10 and then they laugh. Oh, it's so good to have like great mates around to encourage us and support us whenever we're trying something new. Okay, so another reason is performance anxiety. No, not that type of performance anxiety. So saying I will focus us on the outcome. If an affirmation such as I will lose 20 pounds is actually quite daunting, again, just not realistic, and it can deter somebody from fully committing to an exercise program, it wouldn't really be effective. Whereas, will I lose 20 pounds? Think about the open-endedness of that. Will I lose 20 pounds? It allows us for more room to concentrate on the process, which makes us feel more in control and allows us to approach change at our own pace. So if I say, will I lose 20 pounds? I have to contemplate, well, if I were to do that, what would be the steps that I would need to take? And then without a hard commitment to where you're thinking about the things you got to do and your stress hormones are elevating, the stakes are a little bit lower and you're just contemplating. Well, one of the things I would have to do is maybe wake up five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym three days a week, four days a week, whatever that is. And if I just focus on that one thing, that one piece of the process, you know, every time I set a goal and I use affirmations and I don't do it, I weaken the reputation that I have with myself. Nathaniel Brandon in his book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem said that self-esteem is literally the reputation we have with ourselves. So every time I set out to do something around diet and exercise, I don't do it. I lose a sense of self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is the inward belief that we have in our ability to initiate and perpetuate a course of action that supports a desired outcome or result that's important to us, hopefully. And, and without self-efficacy, we cannot do much. But if it's like, will I lose 20 pounds? And that becomes an open-ended question. It's like, okay, well, what are some of the things that I would need to do? Okay, 5 a.m. feet to the floor. And I developed that feet to the floor mentality. And every morning it's feet to the floor, feet to the floor, just focusing on that one small yet significant aspect 
of the process, that tangible behavior, I increase self-efficacy. And the greater your belief in your ability to initiate and perpetuate certain courses of action, certain behaviors that bring about or at least support a desired outcome, the greater your probability of doing those behaviors more consistently becomes. And when you don't do them, you reflect rather than ruminate and react and you're able to extract more lessons and learnings because it doesn't, you don't take it personal because again, you have a high level of self-belief and in your explanatory style around the conditions that caused you to deviate from your plan are far more constructive than they are if you don't have a high level of self-efficacy. So let's get back to these affirmations a little bit. If affirmations aren't exactly unfailing, I'm not saying they're ineffective, but they're not as unfailing as sometimes they're promoted to be. What do you do? Be open. Instead of a definite affirmation, maybe as an experiment of your own, you could try using more contemplated open-ended questions such as, will I, for example. Second, be specific. Instead of asking, will I exercise more? Ask questions such as, will I drink 75 ounces of water today? It's hard to measure vague ambiguities such as more, better, healthier, whereas specific behaviors are measurable and therefore they're easier to stick to as well as motivating because it gives you the confidence knowing when you're on track. And finally, number three, be proximal. You know, a goal such as losing 20 pounds can be daunting, which we just said. Also, given all of our priorities in our life, our motivation can wane a little bit when a goal, as well as the rewards, are far in the future. This is like temporal discounting. So the further reward is in the future, the less motivation we might have in the present in relation to something else that's more immediately within our reach. So consider shorter-term goals such as participating in, let's say, group exercise. This could be virtual or in-person or let's say losing a, a single pound or half a kilo, which brings the reward of the achievement close enough that you can almost reach out and grab hold of it. And the final thing that I want to leave you with is questions. Questions direct our mental focus, which is critical to our ability to do anything. Because where our focus goes, energy flows and results shows. I know that's a little bit cheesy, but it rhymes. So hopefully you'll remember. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Visit us at theselfhelpantidote.com to share your feedback, insights, and recommendations on what topics you'd like us to explore in the future.